Hey everybody, this is Mark and welcome to episode 49 of the Hard Rock Core Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time, thank you for giving me an opportunity. If this is your 49th or 17th or 9th or maybe your 11th, that's not even a number. Anyways, thank you for coming back for more. I appreciate it, giving me an opportunity, supporting the podcast and uh, enjoying the conversations, I hope. Today, I speak with a legendary guitarist who this band is celebrating the anniversary of their album, Break the Cycle. They're doing a live stream with Danny Wimmer Presents, which is a great, great thing for them to do this two-parter like that as well. You got a live album coming out. And of course, I'm speaking of Mr. Mike Mushock from the band Stained. Also, we can say Mike is also from St. Nesonia. And he also played with Newstead. Yes, Mr. Jason Newstead as well. But this is about Stained, and we talk about the early days, their showcase gigs for uh, management at the Key Club in L.A., talk about producers, we talk about the fans, because the fans are what keep the bands going. So enjoy this conversation with Mike. Shout out to Kim for making it happen, and uh, let's get to it. Let's get to this conversation here with Mr. Mike Mushock. You can find me online at hardrockcore.net. Links to all of my socials, Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all this podcast information. So now, let's go give a listen to my conversation with Mike from the band Stained. What's happening, dude? So, you know, you've had... A, a very long-standing career, but the thing I remember, my earliest memory of Stained was, it must have been around 97, 98, you guys played a show with the Key Club in L.A. And oh, yeah, I, I, I don't remember if you were showcasing for a label or management at that time, but I remember Bino um, from Velvet Hammer Systems Manager saying, hey, you got to get to the Key Club and check this band out. And I couldn't get there that night, so I always kick myself in the ass for missing that show. But do you remember those early days like that as you guys were starting to I, blossom? I totally, yeah, no, I totally remember that. You were right. It was, it was a management thing. It was for the firm. Right. And uh, we were out there. And what, actually, I'm going to tell you something else even funny. So we did a demo when we were there. And we did it at uh, Sound City. And it was a free fun demo. And do you know who the intern working there was? Was Nick Resolenis. I was just going to say that, actually. It had to be Nick around that time. It was, yeah. So, because we met with him, he was like, dude, I was like getting you tacos back then. Just <laughs> <laughs> funny, right? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Well, so. Was that like your first time out here on on this coast? And was that your first, you know, big, I mean, obviously you were showcasing and I know you guys signed with the firm, but I know Bino was interested. You guys had a lot of interest at that time. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, listen, because of Fred and the connection there, that's really what kind of made the most sense, you know, um, at the time. So, um, yeah, that was definitely, but no, I mean, as a band, that was our first time out there. I mean, I didn't, you know, out west before, but um, but yeah, as, as a band, that was, you know, we worked out at Fred's house. Boy, we went right before, um, 
right before uh, New Year's of 98, right after Christmas of 97, I think it was, we went down to Fred. And we did, we played a New Year's Eve gig at the Milk Bar for Danny Wimmer uh, that year, opening for Limp Bizkit. And it was that February that we went out to Los Angeles and met with Jordan Schur and, you know, uh, signed with Slip. And that's when we did that showcase and, you know, recorded those songs with Sound City. And then that got picked up by uh, Electra Records at the time. And then I think one of the other things that I just got was so stoked about was when we found out, you know, they, they're like, you know, who do you want to do the record? And, you know, we were just huge, you know, Pantera, Terry Date fans, and, you know, we wanted to do Terry. And uh, and when he said he would do the record, that was like, you know, I remember how excited I was. That's freaking awesome, man. And, and I, I got to ask, when you guys recorded at Sound City and, and Bless That Things, it's closed now, what, what three songs did you guys do? a good question. I remember Mud Shovel was one. I want to say Suffocate and might have been Spleen, which was like, which was on Dysfunction. I think there were some of the heavier songs that we did. Um, yeah. And do you, do you remember your time in the studio? No. You know what I remember about about that time in the studio? It kind of really was, it really changed things for me. And I'd be honest with you, I don't even, I don't even remember the guy's name that that came in and recorded it for us. Um, but I remember I was tuning down really low and I just had a standard guitar that I put like a bass string on and was tuning really low. And like, you ever played a baritone guitar? I'm like, oh, what? No. <laughs> and they, they rented one and brought one in. And that was really my first experience with that. It was uh, made by a gentleman named Ralph Novak who... I went on to have, you know, build me a couple of guitars, and then I signed with Ivan as they made me baritone guitars. So, I mean, there was, uh, yeah, it, it was just uh, a progression that, you know, really my playing of the baritone really kind of came from that trip and uh, that engineer that we used on that record, or those demos. That's incredible. And, and you mentioned, you know, working with Terry Date, and obviously you're a Pantera fan, but was there something special about the tones he got in guitars that, that drew you to him? Yeah, listen, that and depth tones, right? I mean, at the time, I mean, we were just, you know, loved that. And, uh, yeah, for sure. Drum sounds, you know what I mean? We just thought he just, the record sounded great, you know? So, um, remember we went to Seattle. We actually did it at uh, Studio Lisso, which is Pearl Jam Studio. Oh, wow. we did it. Nice. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Nice, man. So, you know, he, here we are some 20, I don't know, 23 years later or what it is, and you guys are, uh, you know, still around. You took a little time off and, you know, getting ready to do this, uh, you know, this live thing. You got the Danny Win, uh, Dammy Wimmer partnership still still kicking about now. So, so what's coming up this week? Yeah, so my uh, 20th anniversary of the release of uh, our record "Break the Cycle," which was a uh, which was a big one for us. You know, we really just wanted to try and you know celebrate that time and what it what it was. And uh, so you know, we got together and uh, you know recorded the record. We found uh, we found a really really great location uh, up here in Massachusetts. And uh, the funny thing was that all you know, these coincidences, but I mean. 
we were about three blocks away from where Shane played its first gig in Holyoke, Massachusetts. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was funny to just kind of come, come back to that, you know, that basically that almost that same spot. And, uh, so we recorded the record there and there we did, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, interviews around it. And actually some of that old footage from back in the day, you know, I, I was able to find a bunch of it. So they, I think they're going to include some of that in, in with it. I, I found a bunch. I actually found the recording of that first show uh, that we did, the tape of it, VHS tape of it. So um, I'm hoping they include some of that in it. That's awesome. Now, now I got to ask, how many people were at that first show? So we actually opened for a local band, and I mean, I don't know. Probably, I mean, less than a hundred. You know what I mean? It might have been like sixty or something. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we we played, we did play. So in Springfield back in that day, Springfield, Mass. If you wanted to play stuff, in you know, not play at you know nine to a bartender, nobody else. You you had to play other people's music. So I mean. The first thing we did was write a few originals. We're like, listen, we want to play. So we learned a bunch of cover songs. And uh, so we were playing a bunch of cover songs, but always played originals in our set, you know, and we were able to, over the years, kind of transform and be able to draw the same crowd and, you know, just play our stuff. That's cool. And I, I remember, like, the first gigs I ever did in original bands, and it was, like, your best friends, you know, who helped you move your, your gear into the club and, and the bartenders, like you said. I If I saw those videos, i go, oh. But, you know, we had fun. It was fun to play like that. No, totally. And, and listen, that, that was really kind of our plan. We knew that would be the case. Because I knew original bands that were really good, but they would be the bands that were opening up for the tribute bands. It would draw, you know, 800 people. You know what I mean? Wow. So, it was like, well, listen, why don't we, you know, just, we can play other people's stuff. Let's just learn, you know, shit that we like and, uh, you know, throw our songs in there. And then we started, you know, weeding more of our songs in as time went on, you know. Did people ever, like, hear, hear your original songs and go, hey, who, who whose song is that? Yeah, no, people, people dug the original. I mean, they liked the originals. I mean, it was something that we were, you know, being able to make that transition was, was great. You know, I mean, I'm like, okay, well, we did it in, you know, Western Mass. Now we just need the rest of the world to kind of catch on. Dude, now, I, I got to ask about the hiatus that you guys had, because I know, um, I, I know the guys in Disturbed, and, you know, they took some time off and came back and had, you know, a, a great run after that with, with the album and the cycle that they did. And I think you may have spent some time on the road with those guys, um, while away from Stained, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? You are correct, yeah. We, we did that tour uh, when they came back as uh, Sound of Silence was kind of, you know, really blowing up for them. I was with uh, Santa Sonia. We were first on that and Alter Bridge was on it. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. I've known those guys for, for a long time. And, uh, I was bummed that the tour we were supposed to do with them, you know, ended up getting canceled ultimately. Yeah, yeah, I, that that definitely you know sad news uh, you know with with those things happening. But just to speak to the hiatus real quick, was it something that you guys needed, or do you think it's just the the way that the music industry has gone that that kind of led you to that road? Aaron wanted to, you know uh, 
pursue his country career is really, I mean, really what it boils down to. You know, he, he had some, uh, you know, success through that and said, you know, this is what I'm going to do for a while. So it's all good. I mean, you know, he needs to do what, you know, he needs to do and that's what he wanted to pursue. So it's like, okay, man, you know, good luck. And, uh, you know, at that point, you know, I got to, got to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do and where we're going to go. And I, you know, so we talked through, through the times that we were away and I think we always knew that we were going to, you know, ultimately, you know, get back together at some point. Um, you know, and, uh, 2019 came around and it, it seemed like the right time. So I'm just happy that, you know, we're still continuing in that direction because, uh, it was really great to be able to get back up on stage and play those songs again. Was it when you, when you guys got together and did that, was it just like walking into old times and you, you came in and played the songs and felt good with them? What was that? How did it feel internally for you? Yeah, no, it was great. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the one thing I always say is that, I mean, you know, Aaron's, you know, actually I'm pretty lucky to work with, I think two of the, the better singers in rock between, you know, Aaron and Adam. I mean, I think they're both great, you know, but, uh, you know, just being able to, you know, be up there again and play those songs. And, uh, it's been a long time since, you know, since we've done it. So I'm just, uh, you know, very thankful for the opportunity and, you know, proud of what we've done. And it's great to be able to, you know, continue to do it. Well, it, it, a huge blessing to still be doing it. Like you said, you know, years later and, you know, live album, you know, live streams, this is something that, you know, the live stream stuff could have never happened 20 years ago. How do you feel about, you know, how the industry has evolved and you can do these type of things now and, and you know, different avenues to connect with the fans? No, sure. I mean, listen, I mean, obviously this, uh, this pandemic really kind of brought a lot of this stuff on and, you know, shifting to how things are being done and everybody trying to adapt to, to that, um, you know, in, in a perfect world. You know, I think we would have, you know, been able to, you know, make this a cool event. You know what I mean? But, uh, listen, you try to make the best of what you can. And so this is, you know, kind of, uh, the second best thing to that, I guess, you know, so I'm just happy that we're able to, you know, celebrate, you know, what that record meant to us, what that time meant to us. And, uh, I mean, this way, you know, anybody that wants to get it can sit at their home and, you know, comforts of their living room or wherever and, you know, and watch it. So, um, yeah. It's a great time. That album means so much to so many different people. And one of the things I learned early on with, with, with the band, with Stain, was that the fan base that came to you guys stuck to you like glue because I think a lot of them related to Aaron's lyrics and it, it really right. drew people in and they have such a close connection. Can you speak to the you know, the, the fan attachment and kind of, you know, what they've meant to you over the years? Yeah, no, sure. We've, yeah, I think you kind of nailed it for sure. I think that uh, there's, you know, and being able to kind of see it, you know, firsthand, but not, you know, not having it affect me as much, I think, as it, it did Aaron at times, you know, because I think a lot of people, you know, read a lot into what he did and really kind of expected or wanted a lot from him because of, you know, you write that, that first record kind of like, you know, in your basement and you don't realize that once it gets out there, you know, how it's going to touch people and affect people, you know, and it did. And, uh, you know, just very thankful for the fans and allowing us to be able to, to do this and have a career and, you know, kind of achieve the, the dream that I always wanted, which was 
you know, make a living playing my own music. So, um, you know, I'll always be uh, thankful for that. And, but I, I think you're right though. I mean, I think that what he sings about and, you know, uh, is very personal. I think a lot of people, you know, read their own meanings into what it is and, and relate. And, you know, I think that's great. No, I concur. That attachment and connection with the fans is always uh, the big important thing to me. And, and you mentioned you had that dream of, of you know, m- living and playing music. When did that dream start for you? What are your earliest memories of music and you wanting to do it? I mean, as far, I mean, as far back as I can remember, three years old. I mean, it was there wasn't a time that I can remember not wanting that. And was it something your parents supported and wanted you to do, or were they like, Mike, go to school, go to college? Well, no, listen, there was, there was that, you know what I mean? My mother was a, was an educator. She has her EED and helps run the school system in Springfield and, you know, started off as a teacher and worked her way up. And, you know, I always thought, she's like, oh, I have, you know, people with master's degree from Juilliard, you know, trying to be a substitute $50 a day. You know what I mean? You need education. I don't care what you do after that, but get your education. There was that. You know, um, but I mean, growing up, I mean, when I, you know, took lessons, she always brought me there. I mean, listen, Dane rehearsed in my parents' basement when I wasn't living there for, you know, years. <laughs> so, I mean, up until we were signed, basically, that was our practice spot. We'd all show up at my parents' house and uh, practice in the basement, you know. And you know what? She still wanted to do it. She <laughs> would, I think. So, uh, you know, um, and, and I had a few letdowns in the music business and ultimately I, you know, I didn't go to college right away after high school, but I actually ended up back there. I, and I swore they set me up. My dad was a builder and I remember I was framing a house and it was like five below all day long and I came home and I was frozen sobbing and it sucked. And my mother said to me, she's like, you been thinking about college? I'm like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> and I ended up getting a degree in electrical engineering and Graduated in '94 with that, and started staying that fall. That's so. So that that hard labor stuff outside wasn't for you, and in, in that 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 weather you have back there. Why well, shouldn't say it was? Because I mean, listen, I I I've done it for years. Even when I graduated an engineering degree, I ended up working for a, a small company. I did everything. I mean, as an engineer, designing projects, you know, helping install them and build them, and so you know, I've done definitely my fair share of that you know cold weather all day outside type of thing but uh yeah at the time when i had an option i was like no let me go to, i could go to college and hang out with you know kids my own age and, or i could do this I'm like oh, you're gonna pay for college i'm gonna go to college <laughs> so so let me ask this before i let you go and again thank you for your time and you know shout out to kim for making this happen what was your or oh, some of your you biggest learns in your career maybe some advice you can give people today because you've seen the industry at its highs with you know physical sales and now it's all streaming what advice could you offer people today yeah i mean listen i I think the the best thing always and then play out as much as you can write as many songs as you can you know just work on your art work on your craft and i think the craft is you know composing, you know, if that's what you want to do. Although, I mean, it seems like more and more people are having 
other, you know, outside writers, which is fine. I mean, you know, there's, there's that, but, uh, you know, you take pride in what you do and, um, and there's so many different ways I think to do it now to get your name out there, you know? So, um, but you just got to realize though too. I mean, it's, you know, you only have, you only have yourself. And I used to say it all the time, whether it was, you know, managers or record labels or whatever, there was like, Oh man, you're always on top of you. Like, yeah, you got other people. I go, this is all I got. I got to make sure this works. You know what I mean? If I fail, you got somebody else to go on to. Where am I going to go? You know what I mean? So we need to make sure that this is going to work. So you just got to, you know, it's because it's a lot of hard work. You better love it because there's going to be times that it's, you know, not fun. And even, even at being on the road, man, you know, it's, it's tougher. I mean, if you're in a van with a trailer and you're with four guys and you're on the road for a year plus, I mean, it's, it's a grind. I mean, you got to make sure that you love it and that's what you want because uh, it's, it can be tough. No, it definitely can. And you got the live album, you've got the live streams coming out. And, and I guess one last thing, can you, what can you say to your fans out there? What, what, what can you inspire them with today? Oh, I don't know how inspirational I am, but I mean, listen, I think that, I mean, as I said, I mean, I just feel so grateful that we're still here, still able to do this. And there's people who still want to listen to what we do and be a part of it. And, and the people along the way that have helped us be able to do that. You know, thank you. It's just, uh, yeah, it's really great. Yeah, the fans definitely, definitely have given the career to many bands, and you know, shout out to them for sticking around and buying the merch and the albums and and sticking with us because you know, you guys have seen the the trend before social media existed, and you guys had the, that fan base yeah. in on chat boards and stuff. You know, right, right, right. All right, you got to make me feel old. Come on, I already feel old. <laughs> No, it's it's a great thing, man. I applaud you on your career. The the great songs that you've left on us is, uh, you know, you you can't forget them. You just, I was with some friends over the weekend playing some music and jamming, and you know, somebody said, "Hey, should we do?" Uh, it's been a while, so you know, those things still come up, and that that touch you guys have left is is, is magic. And again, congratulations on your, uh, you know, the the live album, the live streams, the partnerships with Danny Wimmer coming up, and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys back on the road at some point. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you, Mark. We really appreciate the support. It was, uh, it was really nice uh, talking to you. Great. Thanks so much, Mike. Have an awesome day. Thanks. Yeah, you as well. And that was my conversation with Mr. Mike Mushock from the band Stained, also St. Asonia, and he also played with Newstead. Yes, Jason Newstead from Metallica. Many people forgot about that one. But enjoy his openness, his conversation about the band, what's coming up, what's been in the past, and always like getting to those little stories that maybe some people don't know, and especially him talking about Nick Raskulinich, from, uh, who's an amazing producer, who uh, was just the, the, the small guy at Sound City at that point in time. So uh, shout out to Nick as well. As always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net. Links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all the podcast information. As always, stay safe, stay true. Tell your family and friends you love them. Give them a hug. 
and have an awesome day.